You are listening to Let's Talk Trail on podcast. Keep up with the latest episodes by downloading the Podbean app or stream episodes via our social media accounts. Search for Let's Talk Trail on Facebook or Instagram. This episode is sponsored by Student Access. Student Access, the leader in Trio software. Student Access is an online database solution that allows Trio programs to track their students' information, connect with students by text messages, streamline the APR, and work from anywhere, all online, with automatic updates for changes from the Department of Education. Their technical support team includes former Trio staff and has over 50 years of combined experience working with Trio. Make it easier to focus on your priority, the students. For more information and to request a free demo, visit their website at www.studentaccess.com or call them toll-free at 1-800-801-1232. That website again is www.studentaccess.com or 1-800-801-1232. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on your social media by tapping that share button. This is a great way to support the podcast. Now here's your host, Juan Rivas. Thank you, Emilia, for that wonderful introduction. Hello, listener, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Trio. I am your host, Juan Rivas. In today's episode, we have Angelica Valdez, who is a Trio alum of the Upper Bound Program and Student Support Services and Talent Search. Angelica is on the podcast to talk about her educational journey, her work experience, and to share some wisdom with TRIO participants, staff, and listeners. So coming up in just a bit, Angelica Valdez. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario O'Reilly, Jaded Electronics, and Student Access. Thank you so much for your continued support of this podcast. Remember, you too can be a sponsor of the Let's Talk TRIO podcast head on over to Patreon and search for Let's Talk Trio. Choose one of four patron levels. You can support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month. A dollar a month goes a long way in supporting this podcast. If you are a business and would like to advertise on this podcast, select our corporate sponsor level on Patreon. For $100 a month, we will feature your ad on this podcast. Connect with us for details. If you'd like to nominate a participant, staff, or alumni to be on the podcast, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. Again, a great episode featuring Angelica Valdez, Trio Upward Bound, Talent Search, Student Support Services alum. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Five, four, three, two, one. Hi, Trio Nation. My guest on the Let's Talk Trio podcast is a regional manager for Colorado Trust, Priority One trainer for the federal Trio programs, and works as a lead consultant for Wise LLC. She obtained her bachelor's degree in psychology and sociology from Adams State University and a master's degree in community counseling from the same alma mater. Her interest includes learning about new technology. Welcome to the podcast, Angelica Valdez. Angelica, welcome. Well, hello, Juan. Thank you for having me tonight. It is an honor to have you on the podcast. I want to say thank you so much for your flexibility, for your ability to just adjust at the kind of last minute. Um, how are you? How are things going? 
actually really well. It's, you know, beginning of the holiday season. And I think I finished the rest of my shopping today. And so now I get to relax and kind of just enjoy the Christmas tree and look forward to the new year. Absolutely. And we're less than two weeks away from right the new year and Christmas happening, all of that. How are you feeling? How's you, how are you and your family like uh, processing this holiday season? You know, this is a big season for us in terms of being involved. We're heavily involved in our community and in our church. And so we have fiestas going on. We light the luminarias for our town. Uh, you know, we have raffles going on. Our town, our high school students are finishing up their um, finals for the week. So it's a busy time for us, but it's also that time to look forward to that little bit of relaxation. So we're really happy. Right on. I like how you uh, segue right into the question I'm about to ask you about, uh, you know, relaxation and time off. Uh, are you going to get a lot of time off? Am I going to get a lot of time off? That's a good question. Uh, aside from my my resume that you just spoke to, we're also ranchers. We are uh, oh, wow. cattle and sheep ranchers. And yeah. so that keeps us busy throughout the winter, whether it's delivering water to them, rounding them up mm -hmm. um, or, or just feeding them. That's no such thing as kind of a laid back winter for us. It's actually busier. They say party till the cows come home while our cows are home. So there is no party. <laughs> so this is, this is great. I, I appreciate that kind of like 360 scope that we have about you and your, and your family and, you know, your, your ranchers, you, but you also have uh, a lot of things to do outside of that. Um, and typically what, what I say is like, well, you know, a week or two break from, from work is not too bad, but it's always, I think we always have that desire for it to be longer, but it seems like you don't take a break. It's just go, go, go for you. No, if anything, our nine to fives are, you know, that break from the oh, actual wow. hard work. I look forward to a Monday out, we say, because then I get to dress in professional clothes. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, so we are in the midst of the holiday. We're recording this episode uh, for CSU. We're about a week away from CSU just closing down for a week and a half and then returning. Um, but for you, what is, what are the plans for you and your family, uh, going to be in town, uh, stay at home traveling? Well, our oldest daughter lives in Denver. And so I will be spending a little bit of time with her and then, uh, we'll kind of exchange and our middle child will spend about a week with her and then they'll all come home. And yeah, then after that, we just have kind of that week of, where no one knows what day it is, you know, <laughs> yeah. <And> so <laughs> we're looking forward to that really. Uh, and then the new year and the new year, I was looking at my calendar it's already so full. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, so already the new year, look, you're looking ahead to 2023. Oh, it looks super sure. busy for you. Oh, definitely. Uh, we'll start a brand new priority one training coming up in Santa Fe. Um, Second week, I believe, in January, looking at uh, providing some workshops with Nosotros Education at the end of January, uh, maybe some new onboarding. It's going to be yeah. a busy month. Exciting. Yeah. Uh, so earlier in, uh, as in your introduction, we talked about uh, your interest being technology and learning about it. Uh, how did you develop that interest in technology and were you always interested in it? How did I develop? Well, I guess it, ha it goes way back to a uh, newspaper in high school. And oh, yeah? it was probably one of the earliest classes that had computers in the classroom. And that, that was our work area. 
and just became fascinated with them. Uh, in college, I started working in a computer lab because my upper bound advisors told me, find a job where you can get paid to do your homework. And I actually just started learning because I sat in there as the professors would teach and I would learn. Uh, then finally, my last year of uh, college, it was really funny. I, I thought I need one more class that I need to take. I'm just going to take this class and I can sit in here. And the professor asked me if I had taken the prerequisites and I'm like, no. And he's like, how did I hire you? I'm like, because I know my stuff. <laughs> and it's just continued that way. I love everything, whether it's Excel or Google, or I love to make shortcuts. So that's why I love it. Absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, what's one word you would use to describe yourself? Appreciative. Appreciative. I like that. Mm -hmm. Why appreciative? I'd say appreciative because I'm not a, a one woman show. I I may show up individually, but I know it took so many people contributing to me to make me who I am today. And I know that I am not who I am today without those people. So I have to give them great gratitude every single day. All right. I like that. Um so we are going to rewind the clock a little bit. I think this is the part of the podcast where we would take a journey with you because we like to hear about trio stories and, and how uh, education impacted you. Uh, can you talk to us about your upbringing and what, what, that, what was that like for you? Um, sure. So I grew up um, in Colorado and bided my time between Colorado and Oklahoma City. Uh, my parents divorced before I could ever remember them together. And uh, both parents, I was lucky, were very involved in, in my upbringing, but both wanted time with me. And so I'd split my time between those two uh, states and also kind of enlightened me to two different worlds, if you will. So mm -hmm. in Colorado, I was one of five kids. I, you know, my mom was a single mother, uh, always working uh, to provide for us. But it also meant that we probably took more initiative to take care of ourselves at home. Uh, and then when I would go to Oklahoma, it was kind of like, you know, uh, two parent household uh, surrounded by by people who had gone to college. And it was two different worlds, if you will. And so I had two different sorts of influences. But mm -hmm. being raised with a single mom made me hyper independent, made me very adept at taking care of not only myself, but my brothers and sisters and the things that my mom needed help with. And so, you know, it's kind of like vacillating between two different worlds, if you will. Absolutely. Wow. So having that kind of uh, exposure of being in two different worlds uh, and, and coming from that, um, how, how did that influence you or how did that impact you? I always say that it made me that extrovert that I am and it gave me a great ability to make friends and to build rapport with people and to have relationships uh, but if there's anything that suffered it's probably my math skills which is why it made oh. me love excel so much <laughs> gotcha <laughs> <laughs> uh, excel is amazing right like when you learn it and, and the numbers it just it does it for you so that's amazing um, how would your family describe you Mm, my brothers would say she's the boss. 
<laughs> I think at one at one time, you know, you you grow up, you're you're the the one left at home to kind of make sure you know dinner's on the table and you know carrying out the chores that that mom left for you and whatnot. You know, your younger siblings see you as the boss. I think now they probably just see me as like ultra responsible or something. <laughs> Are you the the one of the oldest in the family or the oldest in the family? I am the oldest on my dad's side and the second oldest on my mom's side. And so I, that's another kind of, uh, I guess, Alfred Adler kind of perspective of mm. having two different roles in your family. Absolutely. So you definitely took charge and took, had a very strong leadership role growing oh, up. Oh, for sure. Right on. Uh, what was your feeling towards school? I loved school when I was younger, um, felt very competitive in school, felt like I had to be the best. I absolutely loved reading. My mom was an avid reader uh, growing up. And so I remember watching her read in bed and her facial expressions would change and she would laugh and she would cry. I'd be like, I want to know what she's reading, you know, and she'd put <laughs> yeah. down her, her, her magazine. It was always like true crime or true confessions, wow. <laughs> which I shouldn't have been reading, but <laughs> I wanted to so much, and, but it made me a reader for sure. And so I just kind of took that with me through school. So reading, it sounded like really pulled you in and education was just something that just maintained itself throughout. Uh, throughout middle school, for sure. It really uh, did. I just, I felt like I wanted to be the top all the time. Wow. Okay. Uh, did your family put a lot of value in education? I know you said on your dad's side, surrounded by college folks, uh, but what was the value to your family overall uh, in regards to education? I think I was always supported, but it wasn't anything necessarily talked about. Like you should go to college or finish high school. I'm first generation high school graduate on my mom's side. Uh, and that was, you know, it was just a matter of part of my job, if you will, as being a, a kid is to go to school and to get my stuff done at school. Absolutely. Were there any subjects that you gravitated toward? I know you said, uh, so long as you got it done, get, get your work done right. But were there any subjects that really spoke to you? Oh, history. History, why history? Oh, it just it just stayed in my mind. There's something about facts that just stay in my brain. And I loved it. It made me feel like that expert that I wanted to be. And I needed to know, you know, uh, remember Mr. Banger in eighth grade would always show like our percentages, which you probably can't do that now. Mm. Uh, in the classroom and my name better be at the top, you know, and <laughs> it was just really funny. And um yeah, history. Just, it was easy. It was easy. All right. Uh, was there any period of history that you really favored or you really looked like to study? Oh, that's a whole new conversation, Juan, because <laughs> I'm uh, I'm currently unlearning and relearning right now, mm -hmm. thanks to the 1619 Project. And yeah, I, I would like to say what I'm learning now is sticking in my brain. Right on. I like how we can take moments to um, de deconstruct our learning and then having to rebuild it, right, to bring a better, broader understanding of what uh, history looked like. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, were you going to say something? No, no, I was going to say absolutely. Uh, I think um, studying in my master's program, I had a professor talked about that everything is a matter of perspective. And so there is no true story. It's all a matter of what point of view you're going to look at. 
Okay. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, so history was the subject that you gravitated toward. Uh, it seems like that you were kind of a specialist in that. Um, did you have any favorite teachers? It sounds like you had, you did a couple shout outs to uh, some teachers that you recognized. You know, I, I remember I told you I'm appreciative because I feel like people right. have always kind of taken that special care with me and, and I guess their names stick in my brain pretty often, but uh, high school, I'm I'm I don't know if we're leading into this or not yet, but um, I had the same principal in middle school as I did high school. Oh, really? And he followed me, so he knew kind of my story in middle school and whatnot. Mm. But when I got to high school, I'm not gonna lie to you that I got a little bit boy crazy, and then being the top of the class was probably not <laughs> at the the top of my. Um, uh, to-do list anymore anyway. Uh, and my principal noticed, uh-huh. he definitely noticed and, and he made sure to kind of pull me back in to say like, Hey, you've always been a really great student. I really want you to succeed. Here are a couple of things that I want you to do. So I, yeah, I definitely have to, um, think about him in terms of great teachers, but I've had great probably counselors, uh, whether it was middle school, high school, people that just kind of always looked out for me. Right on, right on. Um, in that same vein, uh, when when you were going from grade school into middle school, uh, do you remember if you started developing any interests or started developing kind of a curiosity about your own education and your own educational journey? Yes and no. Uh, the fine the summer before high school, my uh, my aunts, uh, their husbands did a lot of uh, field work, and primarily in the spinach. And it was my job in the summer to take care of kids. And my brothers, I remember, would get to go and you know kind of go help and make a little bit of money on the side and come back mm-hmm. with their money and. I didn't get paid to babysit. Oh. That was so unfair. You know, <laughs> oh, that I no. didn't get to get paid to babysit. I just had to take care of kids. And so I said, you know, let them babysit. I want to go out and make some money. Yeah. And I remember going out one day and they're teaching me how to cut the spinach. And I'm out in the field. And, you know, they tell me that I can only cut so much of the stem or else it doesn't count. I have to fill mm-hmm. so many baskets and each basket is only worth like 10 cents and I'm going to get paid per basket. And so, you know, the um, contractor is coming down my row and so I'm excited because he's going to count my baskets. Yeah. And I'm looking and as he's coming down my row, he starts emptying them out one and I I get my feelings hurt really easily. And so tears just come to my eyes because I know I'm not going to get paid for these baskets. So I lean down to cut uh, my next piece of this to, to load into the next basket. And, uh-huh. I, and I cut my finger really bad. Oh, no. And I didn't get paid for that day. Oh, and no. so I'm going back to babysitting. And I remember telling my aunt, I'm like, I'm not going to do that in my life. I'm going to go to college. Yeah. And that's like a, a turning point in my life. I have the scar. I look at it. And I think about that all the time. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know how I was going to get there. didn't know how I was going to pay for anything. But I knew I didn't want to work that hard and not get paid for it. Right. Wow. So that experience taught you like 
education got to put that forward because you don't want to work that hard for that money, right? Well, especially if I'm not actually getting paid. Right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And if you're not getting paid, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so oh, you and okay. I kind of have a similar experience, I think. Oh, really? uh, yeah, my, my parents uh, back in New Mexico, they they took us out to the field. And I remember ours was cutting onions. And uh, oh my gosh, picking onion was just like the worst for me. I think uh, no, no shade to anybody who does it because that is hard work. Uh, but I remember my mom, uh, she would say, uh, it depends on how many bushels we get, but we'll only give you a small percentage for what you worked. And we would work all day, right? You would work nine hour shift and you'd only get $5 out of it. And yeah, it was tough. It was tough. I know, Juan, but I do want to take a, a shout out to what $5 was then compared to now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yes. Good reflection. That $5 might have carried you through the week. <laughs> now it might carry you through an hour. Maybe, maybe, right? Um, so talk to us a little bit more about your middle school experience. What was that like for you? What was that experience like for you? Sure, it was um, at that point towards the end of middle school is when I kind of just decided to uh, stay in Colorado. My dad moved back to Colorado. So it was kind of like this shift, but majority of my extra time was spent uh, babysitting, you know, mm -hmm. whether it was my brothers and sisters or my nieces and nephews that, you know, didn't really leave a lot of room for extracurricular activities. And then the summer before high school, I started mm -hmm. working. And so it became school and work. And those were my two main uh, activities, if you will, at that point in time. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a whole lot of time for extracurriculars. Oh, wow. So it was really focused on just school. For sure. Wow. Um, do you remember, and as you started finishing up and wrap, wrapping up your middle school uh, year, do you remember what your transition was like from middle school to high school? What was that like? So I remember, and, and I'm going to bring this back uh, because I've had the same best friend since about um, fifth grade. Um, so towards the end, probably the end of second semester, uh, we had recruiters come out and talk about the Upper Bound program. Mm, okay. And uh, I remember thinking about that and what that might be like and whatnot but then also being a little bit dismissive kind of like my summers are full I can't really do that and then didn't yeah. think about it anymore uh went through the summer that's when I got my first job and my best friend disappeared for the summer and uh she came back towards the end and we're walking and all she can talk about is upper bound and upper bound and upper bound and all these people and upper bound and uh -huh. it just um uh, what is that fear of missing out? That's what yeah, I got. Yeah, the FOMO. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's what I got. <laughs> I really got it. But it still wasn't enough, right? Still wasn't enough to like really get me there. Mm -hmm. But then we walk into high school and she knows so many people because of Upper Bound. And I can see her like just really transitioning with ease compared yeah. to, you know, the way that I was transitioning because of all the people that she knew. And it was everyone from other freshmen to seniors. And it, it just, I could see the difference right away. Yeah. Right on. Uh, so I'm going to change up our little, our question a little bit uh, okay. because you alluded to a trio already. So mm -hmm. your friend 
was already kind of pushing you or not pushing you, but rather uh, exposing you a little bit to the world of Trio. How did you get that full contact from Trio about uh, now wanting to be in the program? <laughs> so that was my principal. Remember I told you about- Yeah, I remember um, your principal. I, you know, really thinking about school at one time that mattered so much and all of a sudden it wasn't mattering as much. And so two things that he introduced into my life. One, uh, he asked me to sit on the accountability committee for the district. Mm -hmm. And then the other was uh, he gave me the application to Upper Bound and he told me I've already filled out the recommendation for you. Wow. And so um, my friend helped me fill out the rest. Uh, and then I took it in. We walked over to the office and then began my journey to Upper Bound. Wow, that so is those, amazing. Those two people completely shifted my life. Right on. So in, in middle school, you said not that much involvement, really focused on school, did a lot of babysitting, a little bit of work here and there. But now moving into high school, got to, got into Tree Upward Bound. Did your involvement increase while in high school? I still worked probably way too much in high school. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was Upward Bound, Accountability Committee, and school and work. Those wow. were the four main things in my life. And so, you know, I, I, I probably really didn't have room for anything else. Wow. So it kept you really, really busy. Almost sounds like round the clock. So uh, you're, you're kind of used to that though. I feel like that uh, your personal life is reflective of what was going on in high school too. Oh, for, but I love that. I yeah. really do. Um, Idle hands for me are not a good thing. I'm probably my best when I'm really busy. Do you remember who your mentors were in high school? Uh, people that coached you, mentored you uh, while you were in high school? Oh, for sure. Uh, Kirk Golba, he was our counselor coordinator for Upper Bound. And I think that he, his approach to advising mm -hmm. is very personal, oh, very really? personal. Um, our director, who ended up being my mentor in so many ways, uh, Mike Garcia, I think, too. So I told you that boys were probably too important to me. Um, <laughs> and that first that first summer in Upward Bound, I remember getting pulled into the office and kind of like, hey, like, you're kind of not living what the expectation of Angelica is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I, I uh, kind of was very dismissive, you know, that 14 year old who thinks she knows everything and uh, she knows what's best and whatnot. And um, probably gave too many people a hard time. Mm -hmm. uh, but I always used to tell my own upward bound students when I became the director that the worst thing that could have happened to them was that I was the naughty of the bound student. And so I knew, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. I knew. <laughs> and so uh, those people just really ended up being great mentors to me in terms of not losing faith. I always tell people that I can't give up on people because nobody gave up on me. Yeah. And they really speak to that, you know, Mike Garcia and Kurt Golba they just really were that for me. That's amazing. Um, at this point of your educational journey, you said you were already thinking about college, uh, but what other thoughts were you having about college at this point? I was probably still, I mean, I was there. I knew I would go to college. 
I just didn't know the how, and I didn't know everything that was going to be involved. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably really thinking that I was going to go somewhere different than Adam State at that point. I probably, you know, thought more about like Colorado College or CSU, Mm -hmm. not really understanding that, you know, being low income makes a difference sometimes of where you get to go to school and not really understanding that until my senior year. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of barriers, right, that we don't think about as first generation college students mm-hmm. or for those of us, you know, right, that if you uh, they, they don't, you don't think about FAFSA, you don't think about financial aid, you don't think about scholarships because these are all foreign concepts to you. Absolutely. Um, so did you speak to family, friends or a counselor about going to college? There were mm, no family friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm first generation and, um, you know, it's not really anything that anyone in my family could really talk to me about mm-hmm. uh, in terms of having anyone really, the people who worked in Upper Bound were my only people that I could talk to. Um, I did a kind of workforce placement and talent search um, one summer. Oh, really? And uh-huh. It was it was through work study and through the work study program through mm-hmm. Upperbound that I worked for them, and I made connections there. And I remember um, <laughs> that that point of appreciation. Uh, oh yeah, Back to <laughs> Oh yeah, my very first supervisor. That uh, I'm so thankful to her because I, I she taught me everything from how to write a professional letter to how to read editing marks. Do you know how first generation that is? The first time you ever get your paper and you don't know what those editing marks are. Oh my gosh. I feel like you're just speaking to my heart and soul right now because I panicked at uh, editing. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it looks red and bloody and, you know, and so she was my supervisor, but she was also my mentor that just really helped me to kind of break it down and and really understand that I'm forever grateful to her. Right on. Um, But yeah, I guess the other first generation students that I ended up meeting that kind of were a year or two ahead of me that really helped me out. Thank you. Uh, And again, thank you so much for sharing all that, because I think it's it's really important for other first generation students that may be listening to this podcast that, uh, yeah, for a lot of us, we didn't think about, right? Like, who do we talk to about this? Who do we go to about this? But also awesome to know that you had that trio connection. For sure. So what was the general response when when you did express that you wanted to go to college with family or with friends? Like if, if you did share that with them, what was kind of the general response? Supportive. I think that um, I think I've been lucky in that people have always thought highly of me in in terms of, you know, uh, if I said I was going to do something, they knew I was going to do it. They knew mm-hmm. I would fulfill. It wasn't something that I was just dreaming about and that, you know, I'd leave by the wayside. So overall supportive, whether it was at work. I worked, you know, at my aunt and uncle's restaurant uh, throughout high school and throughout college. So they were very supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people that I connected with, they were all trio students too. And so I surrounded myself with people 
who were like me and kind of understood and were going to support me. Right on. Did you have an idea of what colleges you wanted to attend to? I know that you've alluded a little bit like Colorado State, there was CU Boulder, there was other colleges here and there, but were there colleges in your mind that were like top of the list that you really wanted to attend? Oh, I absolutely wanted to go to CC with everything in my being. Really? I did. And I really felt like that was an impediment for me because that one, I really just did not know how I was going to get there. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what my situation would be. I guess when, when you grow up with a family that is very supportive, you're used to them. You're used to leaning on them. And the idea of going somewhere where I wouldn't have family really scared me. Mm-hmm. It's definitely. Uh, and even thinking about that, right? Like for a lot of first generation college students, thinking about going to college is removing yourself from the family. Was there any uh, type of emotions for you when you thought about college, like and separation anxiety or uh, any kind of uh, first emotions that uh, went through you as you thought about college? Saving. That was Saving. the only, that was the only yeah. thing. When I, once I finally understood the whole award letter and FAFSA and financial aid, my goal was to get out of there with zero college debt. That, that was my goal. I was going to graduate in four years and I wanted to get out of there, you know, with, with no debt. And so it, it meant everything from not living on campus in all four years and commuting to everything that I could do to make sure that happened. Right on. Um, what did you like most about the college campuses that we were already thinking about? What was it? Was it their program? Was it just the phys- the that that guess the physical attributions of that uh, college, or were you just like thinking it's really the programs are really nice? Yeah, g- give us kind of a rundown about your thoughts about your college selection process. I'll tell you why CSU was second on my list. Yeah, why was CSU second on your list? <laughs> so <laughs> I I grew up in Upper Bound in a very fortunate time when we had Upper Bound Olympics. And what that meant oh. is that it was very different from what it looks like now. Mm-hmm. You know, we would come and we would stay on one campus, all these multiple Upper Bound programs at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we stayed at CSU and I absolutely loved it. I always kind of took that with me when I worked with my own upper bound students and said, when you are on a campus, you're going to feel like this is home. And that's what I felt like when I stepped on that campus, I felt like I belong here. This is where I should be. Mm-hmm. I didn't follow through with that feeling, but I definitely had that feeling. Now, mind you, they they put us in a dorm that was very close to all the other buildings. And so to navigate wasn't that hard. Uh, and then just having people that you could connect with, that experience, I can't even say enough about it. That makes you feel like you can really um, take on college because you see that kind of idea of what it's going to be like to introduce mm-hmm. yourself to brand new people and connect right away. Absolutely. So I get the sense that you were just looking for a college that made you feel like home, that it really resonated with you. So that is amazing. Um, What was your final year in high school like as you approach your senior year thoughts, things that you were going through? Yeah. Give us kind of a general feeling about your final year in high school. I always say that's the beginning of my old lady years. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and uh, 
funny. My my best friend is going to listen to this and she's going to say, oh my gosh, that's probably when it started because I really just kind of dug my heels in, my nose in the ground. I worked, I went to school, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's all I really did. And it was all about, you know, graduating with um, the highest GPA that I could. It was all about, you know, just taking care of business, if you will. And so most people were probably having fun their senior year and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, but I was really just kind of pedal to the metal trying to get it done. Wow. Uh, talk to us a little bit about also your upper bound experience. What was that like? Uh, so I told you that uh, the summer before my senior year, I was in the work study program for upper bound mm-hmm. and I got connected to the talent search program. And so I was able to work with them. Uh, Mike also connect me, connected me with the workforce center. And so I was able to participate in another program with them mm-hmm. uh, to really help me make sure that I uh, went directly into college level courses and didn't need any type of remediation. So I was really focused on, you know, the idea that I needed to finish in four. And so everything that I could do, I was doing uh, in that regard. But I also did probably take on a few more uh, extracurricular uh, events or activities, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, in school uh, we had a work program that I participated in, which kind of really helped you in terms of developing uh, work skills and resumes and applications and things of that nature. Um, pro- explore different other types of work, fast food versus uh, waitressing versus office jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of just played around with different areas like that. And then I was probably more involved in a, a serious relationship more than uh I should have been at that mm. level. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally understand that. Totally. Um, I think it's unavoidable, right? Uh, one of my, uh, my upward bound director used to love saying, um, uh, upward bound is not a dating service. So she would <laughs> emphasize that over and over. And, uh, you know, you're, you're young and, and dating happens. So yeah, I totally understand that. I um, hear you, and I wish I could have stolen that advice. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to give a shout out to my, uh, she, she was my boss, and then uh, also uh, working as a coordinator at that point, uh, Susan Cramp, who who would say that. She would say, Upward Bound is not a dating service, and we're like, we know, Susan, we know. <laughs> So oh, funny. I was never that creative. I always used to say that you're not allowed to date your uh, fellow upward bound uh, classmates because you live with each other. And it's like being brothers and sisters and nobody wants to date their brothers. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good way to kind of try to get people and discourage them from dating in the program. Gotcha. Um, so once you graduated from high school, how did you prepare for your journey into college? Because at this point, You've been accepted and we'll have revealed to the audience where she got accepted and everything. Uh, but uh, you got accepted. How did you prepare for that journey to get into co- into uh, the college of your choice? So remember I told you I thought I was a know-it-all? Yeah, I do remember <laughs> I that. Know, I didn't know anything. <laughs> and so I, I would park her because I would kind of like, yeah, 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 him. You know, when mm-hmm. he would come and share information and he'd say, here's this application and you should do this and you should do that. And be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here. You know, not really paying attention and filling out uh, scholarships, but not, not giving it my all, not the way I think that I should have. Mm-hmm. And so the summer comes 
and I don't have upper bound, right? Because I'm graduated and um, the the class before me ruined uh, the bridge program. And so oh, I no. didn't get a bridge program. <laughs> <laughs> and, is that a whole um, separate story yeah that, uh, apparently i wasn't part of it but yes apparently that's a whole different story oh no okay um but uh so i was kind of left in this limbo if you will i knew what day i needed to show up for orientation and what i needed to do but i didn't really know too much about buying books or being prepared mm -hmm. and so if there's one thing i'm grateful for is that there was always that open door policy and so it was just a matter of like showing up with like, I got this bill and I don't know what it means. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, how, where am I supposed to get these books? What am I supposed to do? And then just really having someone to guide me in doing those things that summer before was absolutely helpful all the way up until the day of registration. And, you know, I graduated way back in 94 and so nothing was automated or on the computer and so you had to stand in lines and it was going from one building to the next to stand in one line to go to the next line and mm -hmm. just really saying like uh oh I don't know if I know what I'm doing and kind of going up almost with that little promise of I'm gonna listen now will you tell me <laughs> what to do and I promise I'm gonna listen this time I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, you decided on Adams State University. Uh, why did you choose that campus? It, I imagine it's because it made you feel like home, but are there, were there other external factors or internal factors? I told myself a lie that I was just going to go there for a year or two and then transfer. Okay. And, you know, that's how I was going to get to CSU. That's how I was going to be able to, to move on. And when you come from a town that has a university, you start mm -hmm. to look your nose down at it because you think like, you know, well, people who have no choices, that's where they go mm -hmm. versus what the reality is when you get there. And my reality was it was the best place for me mm -hmm. because I met some of the greatest people ever that I mean, yeah, I'm forever yeah. appreciative of them. Absolutely. Uh, and again, kind of our, our experiences overlap. So mine was a little a little bit different, but uh, Eastern was the only school I applied to. I didn't give any other schools a consideration uh, just because of where I was at academically. I didn't think any other schools were going to take me. And I share this story with you because uh, I was a resident assistant at one point for the Upper Bound program. Um, and then we had a trip to, to Colorado. Uh, so we came to Colorado State University. I was like, wow, this, this campus is beautiful. It's amazing. But thinking back at it, if I could do everything all over again, I'd still choose, I'd end up choosing Eastern. Really? Yeah. 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 I, I have to, I love where I am today and, and Adam state is part of that journey. So I can't ask for any do-overs in life because Absolutely. I love where I am today. So Love that uh, that you love where you are at that point. Uh, but let's talk about your college experience as it led up to the life that you have now. Uh, what was that like uh, being in college? I told you that I was starting my old lady year, so it was very <laughs> business-like. I'm right, going right. To, to class, but I have to tell you that, oh my gosh, my freshman year, oh, the first two C's of my life in a very long time, and it broke my heart. Because I felt like, to me, a C meant like, am I really cut out for this? 
Yeah. Do I belong here? You know, is this for me? And, and, you know, some people might talk about like imposter syndrome or whatnot. I mean, to me, it was it's that perfectionism. It's that mm -hmm. idea of, you know, you, you set your own scale, but, um, it was it was tough to digest. I really kind of even didn't want to talk about it. Didn't want to share my grades with anyone because it didn't matter that I had A's and B's and everything else. Two C's to me were devastating. Mm -hmm. Um, and in and saying that, right, like that, uh, I, I like how you alluded to the almost the imposter syndrome that one feels when they enter a college campus. That it mm -hmm. feels very intimidating. Almost feels like you're out of place. Uh, how did you deal with that, and how did you process that? Um, I, I changed up my study habits, uh, and you know, if, if I, I, the C's didn't make me feel like I had imposter syndrome, it made me feel like, huh, you know, hmm. maybe you actually do have to study on Hilka. Maybe, you know, things oh. don't always come naturally to you hmm. because on the flip side, I'll tell you where I felt imposter syndrome was the idea of when I didn't have to study and I, I would get good grades. I would think like these these people are fooled like this isn't very hard like you know why why are people talking about this like this is so hard and yeah or, or maybe you know something else is up that this is too easy for me or something but that that's when I felt like an imposter like someone's gonna find out I'm not studying and I'm still getting good oh grades gosh. yeah you know so that felt a little bit weird but on the C part that just meant that I needed to approach it in a different way. What I was doing was not working and I needed to develop kind of a stricter approach to studying. Uh, I'm so glad you shared that with us on Angelica because there's a lot of students that write that when they get into that, the C's, D's and F's territory, they already feel like uh, I've completely failed or this is maybe not for me. I'm not cut out for this. But those students that are successful, like you say, you get the, the B's and the A's where you're feeling out of place and you're feeling like, am I a fraud? Are people going to find out who I am? Like, I'm yeah. not supposed to be here with it's, it feels too easy. Yeah, absolutely. I know the words now. Right. And I know that that kind of growth mindset that it's good for you to to fail. It's good for you to make mistakes. And that's how you shift and that's how you grow. Right. But it's when you don't have that language and you don't know how to uh, identify it, it. It's tough. You feel like you're doing something wrong or you're going to be found out. Right. Right. Uh, did you know when once you entered Adam State, did you know what program you wanted to study or what you wanted to major in? <laughs> so going back to history, I started off as a history major and I remember development of civilization and absolutely loving it, but turning around and seeing my classmates and they absolutely hated it. Really? And they would walk in there with tape recorders. They would walk in there, you know, just like, I don't know, like I almost feel like blocked and not able to take in the information. And they would basically be attending the class twice because then they listened to the recordings again. And they, it was just so hard. And that negativity just made me feel like, huh, I don't want to be a boring high school or, or college professor where everybody hates my class. And so mm -hmm. that made me really think about changing, which I ended up doing. And uh, I shifted over to 
psychology major, and then I added a sociology major later on once I found out in, through advising what I really wanted to do and how it was sociology and not psychology, but I had already done so much in psychology that I decided to keep it on. Uh, but, you know, it really was that idea of thinking that being a teacher was my only option in history. Mm -hmm. But I have a different story for that. Um, Tell us. So first national trip that we took to D.C., we took a bunch of upper bound students there. And I had a colleague who connected us with a curator over at the um Museum of American History, mm -hmm. and she was a former Upper Bound student. Oh, and interesting! She took us kind of into the the vaults, and you know, basically, kind of gave us the breakdown of how uh, curators work and how they design, uh, you know, the sets and and how mm -hmm. they're going to present what's going to be in the museum. And I thought. I could have done that, you know, like I didn't even know that existed. I didn't yeah. know that that was a part of history that existed. Uh -huh. And that really made me think about the idea of how limited we are when we think about what we want to be when we grow up or limited by what we've been exposed to. And so <laughs> it's just really strange. I think about had I known that I probably would have stayed a history major. Yeah. All right. Uh, did you get to, so did you stay in that one program or did you end up switching out multiple times from different programs? I added. And so, oh, so you added. I, I ended up adding and adding. And so looking at uh, that psychology degree, kept that on, took on sociology and then added emphasis um, from there, really wanted to go into federal probation and thinking that that's where I wanted to direct my life. Wow. What was your level of involvement while in high uh, in college? Sorry, completely opposite of high school. Yeah, so, tell us about it. Yeah, yeah. so in college, uh, was more so involved uh, in student government, involved in clubs, uh, fundraising, participating in homecoming, everything that I didn't do in high school. Mm -hmm. um, just a very different experience for sure. Wow. Um, so your level of involvement sounded like you were really just trying to get more exposure. Everything that you didn't get to do in high school, really pushing yourself to be more involved in college. Oh, for sure. But it was all still trio related. I do have to tell you that it was right on. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. We uh we had a trio club on campus and so participated there, you know, ended up being the president and uh just really involved in in getting connected with the other programs and student sports services and all of the services that they offered there. Uh, I remember taking a trip uh, for something to, it had something to do with McNair over at CSU. Oh, right on. And uh, taking a look at what they were presenting and just my level of involvement completely changed, visited uh, DC for the first time. I remember during policy, uh, actually, uh, Oscar Felix was one of my sponsors and, and one of the people in charge of making sure I didn't get lost and, <laughs> and was able to, you know, freely go about DC for the very first time and, and get on the metro. Uh, very thankful to him, uh, thankful to people that I met from metro and that was kind of like my first introduction to uh, the, the 
bigger trio world, if you will. Wow. So I have to say, we have another overlap. You, uh, Dr. Oscar Felix, he was the one that encouraged me to to also take a dive into the, the Let's Talk Trio podcast. So uh, shout out to him. <laughs> we just keep finding these uh, uh, connections, Angelica. And that's amazing. <laughs> um, so did you know at this point what your career would look like or what your career trajectory would be as you approach graduation? No, because let's see. So senior year, I took on an internship in a um, youth facility because I really thought that I was going to go into criminology, possibly probation. And I I had a really great professor, I should say, sociology professors, but um, Dr. Ted McNeil-Smith, who had connected me with his wife, who was a probation officer. And so interviewed to, to look at that area, thought maybe I actually wanted to work more so with youth. So I ended up there. But then this position came open um, and they had a graduate assistant position open in the upper bound program. Mm-hmm. And mind you, this position was usually reserved for graduates not undergraduates and so I applied kind of like you know don't don't let anything hinder you just go for it all they can say is no you shouldn't be afraid of the word no and they gave it to me I I I was able to get it and so I was able to start working with students in the schools and it was so strange Juan because I felt like this is my dream job this is Mm -hmm. what I want to do Okay. I really like working with students and graduated from college and there's no job for me at Upper Bound. All, all, you know, positions are filled, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so um, had the, the director of uh, social services in the county that I lived in kind of reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I read that you graduated and you have a degree in uh, social welfare. We have a position open. Is this something you'd be interested in applying for? And so I did, and and I ended up working there, and um, but just didn't always feel like that was necessarily my home. Yeah. Okay. Um, are there any mentors while you were in college that you want to recognize uh, at this point, uh, right before you graduated? Oh, for sure. So, hey. That sociology department just really kind of took me in and just made sure that I was able to see success at every turn. And, you know, I I mentioned Dr. McNeil Smith, who probably up until about five years ago would still leave notes on my desk and he would come in and visit with me and he'd say, Hey, your name was in the paper. And he'd, he'd clip it and he'd save it for me on my desk. I mean, talk about your ultimate supporter. Um, I had another professor, uh, Dr. Clarence Parks, who, you know, would really kind of just make that effort to, to, point me out in class which is really embarrassing too but kind of like uh (laughs) like you should be hanging out with her I remember him saying that and it was just it was so I'd be like oh my gosh like I promise you I'm not trying to be a stuck up I promise you but he just kind of had that little knack like she understood the assignment talk to her yeah oh wow (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, that was it was funny, but the, they were just really great mentors that kind of you know stuck with me throughout college that I was very appreciative of for sure. Wonderful. Uh, so talk about graduation. Uh, what was that moment like for you for high school or for college graduation? Sorry, <laughs> I got in a wreck. No, what? <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, day before graduation, I'm on my way uh, with my mom and, and our niece, and mm -hmm. um, we're going to go pick up a helium tank for balloons and get rear-ended. Oh, my and gosh. Our vehicle, thankfully, nothing happened to us, but it looked like a banana. It really yeah. did. Oh, my gosh. And so that next day, I remember being sore, and I remember just that kind of feeling of, of and I graduated in the summer. Mm -hmm. I could have walked it in May, but I felt like, you know, when I'm like, oh, no, I have to be done. You know, it doesn't matter that I still need one class or anything. I'm going to graduate when yeah. I'm supposed to. Okay. And so <clears throat> it was uh, the wreck, everything. But it was also very, I don't know, it was really awesome. So I remember for high school graduation, handing out invitations and I remember handing out an invitation to an old neighbor mm -hmm. and she kind of looked at me like you, you're, you're graduating kind of. And that's kind of the very first time I really felt that, that someone had doubt in me. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, she was still our neighbor. She was still kind of that lady you borrow sugar from. And yeah. I remember taking her an invitation for college and she's like oh he thought I knew you'd always do it and it was just such like this different tone and uh I remember that being really exciting for me that idea that you know people had faith and, yeah. and I did it that's awesome um so now you're graduated you also decided to pursue a master's degree which is even more work what was your motivation behind that decision Somewhere I love to learn. And really, that's what it comes down to. And what I've learned is I love to learn about myself and, and to understand that I'm not a finished product, mm -hmm. which is what kind of led me to a master's in counseling and the idea that we really grow when we learn about ourselves and, and the whys of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that just seemed really important, not only to me personally, but then I had already started working at Upward Bound by that time. And I right. knew that it would be probably the most beneficial to the students that I worked with to have a degree in counseling. Absolutely. So you've held several several positions. Uh, most recently, you are a lead consultant for AvaWise. Um, but talk to us about not only this position that you currently hold, but the various positions that you've held before. Uh, yeah, talk to us about that work experience. <laughs> I was a waitress for eight years, which I have to tell you, I mean, if you're going to need some experience, you need to wait on tables and you need to wait <laughs> wow, on people really? and to serve. Absolutely. <laughs> if if there's a job that is going to teach you emotional intelligence, it is waiting tables and learning how to deal with different types of people. Mm -hmm. uh, my work study jobs, 
were basically usually in trio uh, other than my computer lab uh, job, but I've worked for student support services, for talent search. I was an RA for uh, three years during uh, the summers for Upward Bound. Uh, they're <laughs> their graduate assistant, their mm -hmm. office assistant. I, I then, you know, came back from social services. I was the counselor coordinator, moved on to be the director and then the executive tri uh, trio director over all trio programs. And mm -hmm. so it's just kind of been that, you know, moving up, if you will, through yeah. all those various steps. You've had quite a career. Uh, what do you see yourself doing five to 10 years from now? Um, I hope to still be working with the trio population. Uh, I don't run any of my own programs now, but I love the idea of making the work with students easier by making the compliance side easier so that they can concentrate on actually working with students. Absolutely. What advice do you have for trio students listening to this podcast? Never be afraid of the word no. Like, I'm going to say it. No, 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 no. See, it doesn't hurt. Like, literally, yeah. it doesn't hurt. And if you prepare yourself for a no, but also keep in mind that you might get a yes, it, it, it really is helpful. And, and to know that, um, you know, it might be no right now, but it's not probably going to be no always. Right on. Are there any additional folks you would like to recognize on this podcast? Um, I would say probably the staff that I've worked with, uh, throughout my years and in various different roles where, whether, you know, we were colleagues in the trio world or, uh, colleagues as, as training staff, I learn something new from people every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thankful that they're always willing to impart their knowledge with me. What, what about advice that you have for trio professionals? Oh, please don't lose sight. Don't lose hope. Um, you know, I, I think that sometimes you get a little daunted by what you have to do to maintain your grants. But at the end of the day, you're there because a student really needs you. And I would say never, ever, ever give up on a student because they, they are looking for consistency and consistency matters so much when you're working with students. That is some solid advice. Um, are there any TV shows, podcasts, music playlists, or books that you would recommend to the to the audience listening? Oh, so I'm a huge Brene Brown fan. So uh, mm. totally listen to Dare to Lead and Unlocking Us. Uh, John Meacham, I love everything. Uh, it was told history, remember? Oh, yes. <laughs> go, back, <laughs> go back to, to history podcast. Uh, 1619 Project. Gosh, if I could say, like, we need to, like, replace all of our history books with with that book right there, definitely. Um, and um, who am I listening to? Maria Hinojosa. Uh, yeah, just... I love to inundate myself with as much knowledge as possible. That is wonderful. It really speaks to your desire to continue learning and just absorbing everything around you. That's a, that's amazing. Um, if you could change any aspect of your life, what would it be? Like 
control the uncontrollable. I would put more control hours. Control the uncontrollable. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, more hours in the day. More hours in the day. No, but that would be just to just to kind of sit back and enjoy the things. You know, life passes yeah. us by. It really, really does. And just um, our our two youngest are really close to leaving the house and heading off to college themselves. Wow. And I just feel like I really want to stop time I always say I signed up to be the mom of little kids not adults adults are a little bit harder <laughs> they're and, different uh, yeah for sure I just I just want um not harder in 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 that they're hard people but you don't get to be the mom and kind of say like you should really do this right are there any words of wisdom you would like to share with the audience uh for, they may not be even trio associated or they're just listening and you have some words of wisdom you want to share with them I would say, uh, taste your words. In other words, every relationship that you have matters. And so really be thoughtful and kind when it comes to how you share information with people, especially how you're feeling. It, it, it just matters so much because you want to hold on to relationships as much as you can. And, and you can only do that when you are truthful to who you are and, and what you're feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some wonderful uh, sage words of advice. Angelica, it was such a pleasure to have you on this podcast today for you to share your story with us. Uh, thank you so much for giving us uh, your time today. Thank you. I really appreciated having time to talk to you and getting to know you and knowing how much our stories are similar. Likewise, likewise. Uh, so we have a tradition on the Let's Talk Trio podcast on Helica where we have the guests sign off. You care to do the honors? Oh, definitely. I want to go ahead and let you know that this is Angelica Valdez, and I'm a TRIO alum from Adams State University. I work as a lead consultant for Ava Wise LLC. And as always, TRIO works. And that was our guest, Angelica Valdez alumni of the TRIO Upward Bound Program, Talent Search, and Student Support Services Program. Angelica, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing your TRIO story. Remember, if you would like to be on the Let's Talk TRIO podcast or know a staff, advocate, or participant, or alumni, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is l-e-t-s-t-a-l-k-t-r-i-o at gmail.com. A huge thanks to today's sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario Riley, Jaded Electronics, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for your continued support of this podcast. I'd like to take a moment to thank our honorary members of the Let's Talk Trio podcast, Roderick Chambers, Tony Ho, Scott Kendall, and Susan Cramp. The Let's Talk Trio podcast team is John Russell, audio engineer, music producer and composer, and post-production editor. Amelia Castañeda, script supervisor, marketing manager, social media manager, and producer. Juan Rivas, executive producer and host. This podcast was recorded December 16th, 2022. We hope that you have a wonderful and joyous holiday break. The podcast will be taking a break for all of December. We will be back recording new episodes and publishing new episodes in January. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode.